Hey, this is Craig Dills from Media. This is DJ Kaya. This is Elliot D'Souza. Hey, this is Jason D'Souza from Aldona. Hey, this is Nash Lobo from Aldona. This is Pascal D'Souza from Calgary. Hey, this is Roland D'Almeida. Hey, this is Roland Nasparenas. Hey, guys, this is Ron Montero from Lopalin. Hi, this is Roy Fernandez from Donna Paula. This is Ryan D'Souza from Cola. Hey, this is Steffi DeCruz. Hey, this is Tony Nazareth, and you are listening to... And you're listening to... And you're listening to the GSL. The GSL. GSL. GSL Podcast. And you're listening to the GSL Podcast. That's right. Welcome back to another episode of the GSL podcast. My name is Wendell. I'm your host as always. Uh, this week we have some exciting match recaps. The reason there was no podcast last week is that the games on June 22nd were unfortunately canceled due to a rain delay. Um, it was absolutely torrential rain over a centennial overnight. So the field uh, decided to cancel the games. They usually do this uh, not because it's unsafe to play in the rain or on a wet field, but it's more... If the field is soaked and then you have multiple games, it just completely tears up the field. In the past, they didn't used to do this, and basically what would happen is all of the mud would just churn up. The entire field would be destroyed, and the rest of the season would be ruined by just having hard mud everywhere and no grass. So it's kind of like a preventative measure they do these days, which sucks for us that wanted to play that week. Um, and we're excited for the games, uh, but those games will be rescheduled and happen at a later time. So only three games to get to today. But before we do that, let's jump right into the news. Only one piece of news for today. We'd like to congratulate from the GSL podcast our heartiest congratulations to the Aguado Waves who take the Viva Goa 2018 Soccer Tournament Championship. Uh, Aguada came with a very, very talented team, including a number of their stars from outdoor and had a solid performance from start to finish. Uh, winning comfortably in the finals, leading to their Viva Goa championship. For those of you that have been tracking Viva Goa, it's uh, had somewhat of a, a renaissance, a rebirth in the past few years uh, through some great organization. They've had multiple uh, events uh, this year, actually, involving a soccer tournament and um, you know a separate day for more of the cultural food, presentations, music, stuff like that. Uh, some people wondering why they split up in two days. Uh, you know, you'll remember a previous Viva Goa, they just had the GOA All-Stars, which ended up being the defending champion, Aguado Waves, at the time, uh, versus the Toronto Police crew. This is a game we did a live podcast for, announcing it. It was actually quite fun. It was a good competition, went to penalty shots. It was very entertaining to watch with Aguado winning in penalties. So Aguado actually has a good track record of winning these Viva Goa tournaments. Uh, they turn up quite well. And the reason for separating the days is uh, Viva Goa wanted to have a proper soccer tournament. And this involved a total of seven teams. Um, pretty much it's it's tough to get you know the exact same teams from outdoor to, to submit a team for multiple reasons. One, for example, our team cannot submit a team. Just, we have too many injuries. And to risk everyone playing on the day before what we thought was going to be a game was just too risky. We didn't have the availability, unfortunately. Um, but for other teams, uh, a lot of people are committed to Sunday, so they try and get everything else done on the other days of the week. So committing to then a Saturday and a Sunday is difficult. But I really appreciate the committee of Viva Goa for prioritizing soccer. They could really just you know let this go and just have the rest of their event, which is very successful. But they always try and prioritize having a soccer tournament or some kind of sporting event. And I really appreciate that. I'm sure a lot of other people appreciate that because one of the things that brings us all closer together is our love for sports, and that's what created the Goan Soccer League in the first place. So shout out to Aguada for their championship in Viva Goa uh, and their strong showing, and uh, we'll see what happens next year. All right, that's it for the news. Let's get Keegan on the line and jump into some match recaps. 
we'd like to welcome back to the podcast, Keegan Morais. Keegan, how's it going? I'm good, Wendell. Uh, good to be back. Yeah, it's been a while because uh, we had a we had a big hiatus for the last podcast, and then fortunately we uh, we weren't able to connect to find a time we could both do it. But nice to have us both back in the studio. We have a uh, you know a small amount of games to go through, but but some games nonetheless. Uh, let's start off with the 10:30 a.m. game from this past weekend. Uh, Lotalum versus Bagmalo with a final score of Lotalum 4, Bagmalo 0 with goals Craig Raj with 2, Kyle Coelho with 1, and Kyle Machado with 1? What am I seeing here? Yeah, that, that's our mid-season signing, and uh, he came through with a goal for us this week. I know. I'm. I'm hearing like the my WhatsApp was blowing up about this. So Kyle Machado, midseason signing, as you said, because I went to the rosters because I, I thought I checked your roster. I, thought, I didn't see anyone you know that stood out or anyone new or anything like that. And I saw Kyle Machado was picked up in July. So give us the background on this. You know, Kyle recently obviously uh, parted ways with Bungmalo. So showing up for a game against his home club and scoring a goal nonetheless. Give us the recap of this. What went down? Yeah, like uh, this. We've had some injuries and like we were low in depth a little bit, particularly on the wing. So when we had an opportunity to sign him, we went ahead and took it. Uh, he actually played really well this game. He almost he could have had a hat trick. He actually missed two chances, which were probably easier than the one he scored. Uh, but he had a nice finish uh, and he made a count when he when he had the chance. Yeah, it's a big props to Kyle Machado. No, nothing can feel better than than scoring against, and that's the ultimate revenge right there. But uh, shame on Kyle's agent for. Securing one of the best, you know, mid-season signings. Like, this guy was released by Bagmalo, was looking for a new team, you know, training hard, working hard, staying fit, and then signs up with the defending champions mid-season. Like, give this agent a raise. But why did he not tell us? I'm pretty sure his agent's Kaya, and he did not notify us of this signing. <laughs> I'm not sure if his agent is Kaya, but yeah, his agent definitely needs some props in terms yeah. of, uh, you know, getting this deal done. Exactly. So uh, moving away from Kyle and looking at the game overall, a comfortable win for you guys uh, uh, for nothing. Was it? Did you feel like it was that comfortable during the game, or how did the game play out? It did not. It was zero zero for the longest time, like maybe halfway through the second half. And uh, Bugmal actually defended quite well. We had a couple of chances in the first half, and we were a little bit wasteful with the final passes in the, um, closer to goal. So we didn't really have any. We might have had like one or two shots on target in the first half. Uh, in the second half, though, we played a lot better. And then once we created that first chance, which Kyle scored, uh, the, the gates kind of opened up because they had to, you know, try to get an equalizer. And then we were able to capitalize on the counter and get a couple more goals. Yeah, but Mala, you know, traditionally a pretty disciplined team. They usually come up with a strategy and try and stick with it. But as you said, when you're playing a very defensive game, as soon as you let in that first goal, kind of all hell breaks loose because do you just try and protect a one nothing loss and steal something at the end to tie 1-1? Or do you go for it, but then you're vulnerable at the back? So really, really challenging to kind of balance those two aspects. Most teams uh, that just stack up on defense like that, they're really just trying to play for a 0-0 and steal something on the counterattack. Did you find Bugmalo was trying to exploit a counterattack or try and do something offensively, or were they really just kind of parking the bus? Yeah, no, they definitely tried to play on the counter because they had Elton playing as, as a deep center mid, and then they had Cam playing slightly higher uh, with a couple of quick guys on the wing. Uh, Addy was one of them as well, so they try to use Addy's space and try to send him on the wing, or you know, try to have Cam in advanced position where he could get a shot on goal. Uh, definitely looking to play on the counter for sure. They didn't have 
uh, the team to kind of hold possession and move the ball up slowly. Okay, so, you know, from Bamala's point of view, I think that is probably the best strategy to go into the game with, try and stay defensively strong and counterattack. The fact that it was 0-0 still second, uh, deep into the second half is a credit to them. But as you said, once you get that first goal, tends to open the floodgates and becomes very difficult for the defensive team. So comfortable win at the end of the day for you guys, luckily for nothing, um, but wasn't that way during the game. Let's uh, move on to our next game at 12 p.m. We had Colva versus Aguada. This is actually a game I was excited to see the result of because um, Aguada, as we know, very talented team, but uh, doesn't have their full strength week to week and is dealing with a number of injuries right now, as mentioned on previous episodes. And Colva... Uh, are really trying to find their footing and, and make some statement wins against big teams. So this was a game I was interested in seeing if Colva could pull it off. Unfortunately, they could not. It was final score of Aguada 1, Colva 0 with a goal from Matthew Pace. So once again, Aguada's young, exciting winger, Matthew, uh, scoring a crucial goal to get the win 1-0. Um, really, really uh, disappointed in Colva. I thought, I thought this was maybe a chance for them to really uh, steal one against one of the big teams. What, what do you think is going on with Colva? Why are they not able to make the next step and get a big result against a big team? Yeah, it's a disappointing result for sure for Colva, but I think they were missing a bunch of their players as well. I know uh, Nicole Cadbury was on the bench. Uh, Johnny was on the bench as well. Uh, I saw him when we were leaving. So they definitely have a depleted roster as well. Uh, and it's unfortunate they weren't able to at least sneak a point uh, in a crucial tie against Aguada, because at this point, uh, Colva is second from the bottom, which is really surprising. I expected them to be much, much closer to the top. Uh, so I think their injuries are catching up with them, and they're not able, they don't have the depth to get, you know, grind out some results when they need to. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we're going to do a kind of a review of the standings later on in the episode, because, you know, we're, we're getting towards the end of the season, getting towards the playoffs, and we haven't really done a standings check. So we'll do that for sure just because we're just over halfway. But Colva's definitely someone. Like, for sure, I would say, you know, Colva's a team that should always be at the very least mid-table. They're kind of like a consistent mid-table team. They're kind of like an Everton of the Premier League where they're, like, consistently, you know, mid-table. I know Everton is, like, usually above mid-table. They're, like, six, seven, eight. But I'm saying if you look at the top ten in the Premier League, Everton's always, like, in the middle. They're never in the top. They're never in the bottom. That's kind of how I look at Colva, being a mid-table Everton team that can never take that next step. And it's interesting that you mentioned that injuries might be catching up with them because it seems like a lot of teams are, are really depleted. I mean, I know our team is struggling really hard. Aguada's struggling really hard. Colva now we're mentoring. In fact, even you guys, you said, need to pick up some depth players. You had some injuries. So I'm not sure what's going on this season, but it seems like injuries are catching up to a lot of players. Yeah, and that's, that's unfortunately, it's, it's a part of the game and particularly more in, in a recreational game where, you know, a lot of people don't take uh, the time to stay in shape and, you know, do stretches and all the kind of stuff to keep themselves uh, fit for long periods of time. Uh, but that's something that all teams have to deal with. And you've got to, you know, need a little bit of luck, but also... Uh, you know, find a way to grind out results when you need to. Yeah, exactly. Also, I think the summer has been weirdly uh, extremely hot, which might be contributing to kind of dehydration leading to muscle strains and fatigue. Um, so that might also be contributing. But from a Guada point of view, uh, they'll take that win. One nothing. They want to grind out results, stay near the top. Um, seeding will really matter for them when it comes to the playoffs because uh, they really only want to face... I think they look at you guys as kind of their main rivals to win the championship. So they really only want to face you guys in the finals where it's a one-off game they can pull it off like they've done before i don't think they'd want to meet you guys in the semis um they won't they 
won't meet you guys in the quarters. That's just not going to happen. But in the uh, semifinals, I think they'd rather play another team. So good win for them. Uh, moving on to our last game of the day, Margao versus Donna Paula. Now, we've talked about Donna Paula a lot this year, how they've been doing a lot better, a lot stronger, much more competitive in games, uh, no blowouts, and actually really making teams work. I know when we played them, it was actually a real struggle. Definitely not an easy win. Uh, unfortunately, this week it seemed to revert back to kind of their old roots, losing to Margot by a score of 11 to nothing. Yes, you hear, you are hearing that right, 11 nothing. I can't remember the last time I even set a double-digit score for a team. Uh, Margot having three goals from Dwayne Loba Perez, uh, one goal by Braden Pereira, two by Gregory D'Souza, two by Stefan Ribello, one by Aaron Pereira, one by Rainer Raposo, and one by Alan Fernandez. So. Final score, eleven nothing. What jumps out to you uh, when it comes to this game, Keegan? Uh, what jumps out most is not like their typical performances for the rest of the season. In the previous six games combined, they had only 11, 11 goals, and then they go and let in eleven in one game, which is a little bit surprising. Uh, I just from watching the game because their game was right after ours. Uh, I know they might have been missing some players in. in like some key players in midfield and maybe in their defense. But they were missing a goalkeeper as well because some of the goals that went in initially, you know, a more experienced keeper might have stopped. Uh, so when you have people playing out of position, you know, particularly in net, you know, sometimes that happens and you let in goals that you're not supposed to and that kind of inflates the score a little bit. Yeah, definitely. And from Donna Paula's point of view, actually they have a rematch against Margot on August 12th. So next week is the long weekend, so there won't be any games, so no podcast next week. But the weekend after, they have you know a potential rematch to show what they're really like. As you said, maybe they'll have some key players back. Maybe their goalie will return. Uh, maybe just keep it competitive. Like uh, if after you lose eleven nothing team, you really want to come back and say, "Hey, this wasn't us." Have a bounce back game. Uh, have a closer game and see what you can do with a full squad. Uh, you definitely do not want to get embarrassed again uh, anywhere near. 11 nothing. I'm I'm trying to think of what the threshold for an embarrassing score would be. I think above 5 nothing would be when it's not only just like a bad loss, it's starting to get a little bit embarrassing. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. For me, I'll go slightly higher, maybe like 6 or 7. And at that point, it, it's, you know, it's a little embarrassing for the, the losing side. Yeah, and, and we don't mean embarrassing in like a contest anyway. We mean... The problem is after you get to around five goals, if someone scores a six, you can like the whole team is just not going to try anymore. They're just going to you know not want to play. They're going to be ashamed by the score, and that's actually when a lot of these you know crappy last minute goals go in, and the team scores like four in the last ten minutes. So that's what we mean by an embarrassing score line. Just something you don't want to kind of uh, look at, and you really hang your head uh, down because the result was just so embarrassing. Um, yeah, unfortunately that happens sometimes though, because like when you're up, you know, four or five. Like the the team that's losing still presses, and you can only do so much to try to hold the ball. At some point, you got to move forward, and then because they're pressing so much, they get caught out of places, and some like you end up with some sometimes even like easier chances than you than you will when the score is a lot closer. And you know everyone that has a chance will take a chance on on target. It's not like you're going to bring the ball back. So at that point, you know the score goes up to like nine, ten, eleven. So you can't really fault the scoring team as well. Exactly, and as you another part of it is you know the team that's winning. 5 nothing. their confidence is sky high. So everyone on their team, they feel like every pass is perfect, they can shoot on net, they're, they're, you know, their offense is going to be on point. Like from the, from the winning team's point of view, you're just going for it. You want to stack you know, up goals, you want to pad your stats for the league, all stuff like that. So 
Um, definitely, definitely uh, a tough loss for John Apollo. Hopefully they can bounce back. Uh, we wanted to mention Margo. You know, we, we were looking at a player profile this uh, this week, and we we're actually looking at Margo's uh, player, Gregory D'Souza. Unfortunately, this is a player that both of us are not that familiar with. Uh, but if we head over to the scorers table, actually, we'll we'll take a gander at the top scorers uh, of the season so far in the Golden Boot race. No surprise, Dwayne Lobo Perez in the lead with nine. But sneakily behind him, out of nowhere, Gregory D'Souza with seven goals. So, Keegan, I think we both mentioned we're not that familiar with this player, but have you heard anything about him, about about this player on Marga that scored seven goals already? Uh, unfortunately, I haven't, but it's it's somebody that we'll have to keep an eye on in the future. Uh, if he's got seven goals this year, you know, there's good odds he'll be leading, you know, at the top of the scorers' charts in, in, in the years to come. So we'll get to know more about him uh, with time, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. And if any Marga listeners out there, I know there are a lot. Uh, send us some information. Uh, message me or email the GSL podcast at gmail.com. Uh, maybe give us a player profile on him or, or tell us what you think of him. Uh, we'd love to know more about this player. Uh, kind of the point of the player profile is to highlight someone we know very, very well or kind of you know talk about the positives and strengths of a player and what others can learn from them. But sometimes it's just to actually showcase someone that we don't know much about and that we want to learn more about. Just to, just to recap the top scorers so far in the league. Uh, we have Dwayne with nine, Gregory with seven. Then we have Steven Fernandez from Aguada with five. He's a last year's Golden Boot winner. Remember, he had 22 last year. Just goes to show how ridiculous that number was last year, 22. We have Craig Raj from Lotum with four, Kyle Coelho from Lotum with four, Richard Fernandez from Aldena with four. And then we enter the realm of three goals, which I believe had, like, a lot of people in the league have three goals. But this is my favorite part is that it only shows the top ten and maybe this is the GSL podcast luck because we have Jeremy Pinto, Nicholas Green, and then we have none other than Keegan Marias and Wendell Mascarena. So us two, we're bringing home the top 10, you at number 8, me at number 10. And I feel like that's definitely based on our good luck and good karma from doing the show every week. Yeah, cue the MVP chant. You know, we need, we need that. Uh, yeah, three goals is, is not going to be, you know, at the top of the league. Sorry, top of the score shots at the end of the league. Uh, but we definitely got some work to do to at least chip in with a couple of key goals to help our teams, you know, moving towards the playoff. Yeah, exactly. Plus, I mean, there's still, still some games to go in the season, so it's not over yet. I'm actually now interested to see between Dwayne and Gregory now this battle, uh, the the inner Margot battle to see who's going to win the Golden Boots. So that's, that's definitely something to keep an eye out for. Um, so that's it for the match recaps and kind of talking about the top goal scorers. We also wanted to talk about the standings. Uh, one note before we talk about this is that the standings aren't really up to date. Um, we had thought that they were kind of automatically calculated based on the results entered on the uh, match results page, but it seems like it's not because some of the, the games won and drawn and lost don't actually make sense compared to the schedule. So keep in mind there are slight adjustments here that we will talk about, uh, but it kind of overall shows the trend so far. So. Uh, according to the standings, it has Margo number one uh, with 17 points, Lotlum number two with 16 points, Aguada number three with 13, Alda number four, uh, Bagmal number five, both with seven points, Kolva number six with four points, and Donna Paula with one point. So, a couple things to mention right away. We do know that um, Lotlum, you know, you've only played six, where some other people played seven, or even Aguada's played eight. Uh, Margo is, uh, has an extra game one here. Uh, so their point total should probably be 15, uh, which would put you back in first. Um, so a close battle between the two of you at the top. We'll kind of divide this up into tiers. The first tier, I would say, is Margo versus Lotlum for the league championship. Uh, you guys play each other on the last game of the season. Uh, 
um, or well, on August 26th. Now there's going to be a rain game, but I think that I think that game at the end of August is going to be absolutely fantastic. I cannot wait for that game. Uh, what are your thoughts on Marga versus you for the league championship, and how do you see it going so far? Yeah, I think it's going to be a really close game as well. Uh, they played us pretty well that first time. Uh, hopefully, we have a little bit more on our bench uh, this time. But I have confidence in you know what we do as a team and the people that show up can can get a result. I think we'll be a little bit more uh, prepared and you know and and ready for that game. Not to say that we took it easy the last time, uh, but I, th- I think we'll definitely come you know come prepared with knowing that the the league title could possibly be at stake. So we'll be ready for that game. Yeah, personally, I, personally, I hope the league title is at stake. If it went, if it went into that last week where you guys know if you tie or win, you win the league, and they know if they have to win to win the league, that would be one of the best final games ever. So I'm really hoping everything's on the line. Uh, I think it'll be close, but we'll, we'll have to track that very closely. Um, the next tier is kind of Aguada by themselves. They're at 13 points. I do consider uh, Aguada a team that very easily could end up in the middle or at the top, so I think it's appropriate that they're there. And then following them, we have Aldana and Bugmalo, uh, both at seven points. I think that this represents a you know mediocre season thus far, as far as we're concerned, uh, with only seven points. Keeping in mind, we finished second place last year. And for Bugmalo, I think it's where they want to be. You know, they're fifth place mid-table. They kind of want to approach uh, more the upper end of the mid-table. So if they could steal fourth place from us, I think they'd be very happy with that. And then we have... Kolva. So Kolva is definitely the most shocking team to look at on this table. They're sixth place with only four points. Um, really came into the season with high hopes for them. So I think we'd both agree that when you look at this table, Kolva being sixth is probably the team you're most shocked with. Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I, I was a little surprised with seeing you guys as well, uh, but definitely seeing Kolva in, in sixth place is 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 yeah is is shocking for sure. Uh, like with the talent that they have, if if they're healthy and have all their players there, they're I would say like a top three in terms of talent. So I would expect them to be close, at least in third position with their full team. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, interesting to see how they bounce back for the rest of the season. They have about I think about four games left, maybe five to see. So a lot can still change. They've only played six so far, so definitely have uh, you know room to make up for. They're only one win behind, you know, fourth and fifth place. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the season closes out. Um, so that's kind of the recap of the, the scores and the league standing, just for the people that wanted to see how the league's shaping up so far. Just some odds and ends to go through before we wrap this up. Uh, one thing I wanted to tell you about that I thought was pretty funny was, you know how we always, you know, we meet up before the games, you know, players are chatting. A lot of us, you know, are friends socially, things like that. And the biggest event was the World Cup. And the World Cup was amazing this year. So many upsets, so many great games, so many good goals. So a lot of times players would come together. They'd be talking about games, the World Cup. But did you know that before the game started, I was warming up and I was listening to the referees talk. And the referees came. And you know what they were discussing? They were talking about the World Cup too. But they were actually talking about all the refereeing decisions. That's interesting. So... Uh sorry go ahead this like blew my mind this made me realize that for a referee the world cup is also like the world cup of refereeing like see how the best in the business you know make decisions and they were i was overhearing them and they were saying things like yeah but in that situation you have to go to var or oh you can't make that call because of this you can't judge intent like all these different refereeing terms all these different plays they were talking about specific refereeing decisions and i found that hilarious that we're all obsessed with you know goals or upsets or stars 
and they're just analyzing every refereeing decision. Yeah, like refereeing is not easy, uh, you know, particularly at that level. I, I, did, I thought the referees did a great job in the, in the World Cup. You know, the use of VAR was really good. I thought they got the majority of the world of their uh, reviews correct. Uh, I disagreed with the handball in the in the finals. I thought that shouldn't have been a penalty. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you got to go with your gut and, and they called it. But, yeah, like, <laughs> it's, it's funny that we talk about goals and the referees, you know, were obsessed with the refereeing. Yeah, no, it makes so sense, but it was funny for me to realize. I, I agree that uh, that VAR penalty in the final was just absolutely ridiculous. But uh, well, I think what people f- fail to realize is that this is the first time they've ever used VAR. Obviously, it's not going to be perfect. And as you said, the majority of the time, it actually helped it a lot. So it can only get better going forward. And the nice thing is it's preventing a lot of diving and a lot of uh, harassing people in the box, which is also really good because it'll, it'll get rid of that part. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah, I think we just have to talk to Everest about, you know, getting some VAR technology oh, in our league. Not be ridiculous <laughs> now. Maybe for the finals. Yes, actually, yeah, maybe in the stadium. Maybe the stadium has VAR capabilities. I'm trying to think if we can incorporate one thing from professional soccer um, into the GSL for one game, what it would be. I don't think it would be VAR. I think the, my favorite thing that I'd want would be actually what they did at the 20th anniversary, which was have the game like taped with multiple camera angles and some British guy commentating. And the finals, yeah, that would be that would be pretty awesome, actually. Yeah, they that's did a good suggestion. Anniversary, we had it. Uh, they had it on the Rogers TV. It was pretty pretty well done. They had like lineups. They had uh, an announcer with Sippy. It was it was pretty funny to watch. Um, so that that it'd be awesome if they could bring that back, especially for the finals. Yeah, or maybe instead of a British commentator, they could get a, a going guy from Montreal. You never know. You gotta check and see if he's available. <laughs> exactly. Touche. Touche. <laughs> Um, the other thing I want to talk to you about was, you know, we, we actually talked about penalty shots earlier this season in the podcast. And one one actually uh, point that you brought up that I hadn't thought of was that you said that a lot of it's muscle memory in that if you take enough, if you practice enough, you're not actually, you know, placing anymore. You're just going through uh, a stroke of the ball or, or just using your muscle memory to really hit it in a specific spot. And you made that point. And then actually during the World Cup, Harry Kane had a bunch of penalties, but he had two in a row where he literally went top left on both almost in the exact same way in the exact same place and it really for me cemented home the idea that if you train hard enough at a penalty shot can you just do it with muscle memory so is that something you would fully commit to in my mind i'd still i'd actually prefer having control on every single shot but i could see you arguing that if you if you develop the muscle memory you don't have to worry about it you know exactly where it's going to go each time so which which kind of angle do you subscribe to like i think you need a combination right for me muscle memory just helps a little bit, but you have to be able to keep your nerves at that time as well. Because anyone that's taken a penalty knows, you know, no matter who's in net, the, the pressure is always on the person that's taking the the, the spot kick. There's never any pressure on the goalkeeper because you have to score. There's no pressure on the keeper to save it. Like just having practice and having that muscle memory just helps you, you know, settle those nerves a little bit and get it to where you need to. Because you know, you know where your foot needs to go, what kind of angle your leg needs to be at to get the ball. Uh, what you're intending. Whereas if you're just if you're trying to go someplace that you've not gone before, you could get it there, or you you might pull it a little bit and it'll just go wide and it might hit the post. So there's a lot of other variables that come into play. So just for me personally, I like a combination of you know settling my nerves while I'm there, but also having practice, uh, and that's giving me the confidence to take a spot kick in a shootout or even in a game. Yeah, no, I think that makes complete sense. It's a good way to approach it. I think for the large large majority of people. 
I really think it's nerves. I mean, you always get the occasional penalty taker that does a weird technique that you have no idea what they were trying to go for. But for the most part, I think people shoot it to one side, and the only reason they either miss the net or you know end up putting it way too. Uh, a lot of people put it too close to the middle, which makes it easy for the goalie save. And the reason to do that because they're so terrified of missing the net. So I, I think that's what you mean by sometimes the nerves will come into play and will mess up what you were actually training to do. So I think for the majority of people, settling their nerves and trying to stay calm is the hard part. And then I think if you do that, the rest will come no problem. Yep, agreed. So that brings us to the end of uh, this week's episode. One thing I wanted to tease the listeners for a little segment we'll have next week. It's uh, the funniest slash most ridiculous repeated lines we constantly hear during games week in week out so i want you to brainstorm some of the ones that you've heard i have a couple already um that i have ready to go for next week i'll give an example just so the listener knows what we're going for here and people can actually uh email in ridiculous lines you've heard it can all be anonymous it's not an issue uh but for example um one of the ones that drives me crazy is when a guy has the ball on the line on the on the wing and he's trying to prevent the ball from going out and he keeps the ball in or doesn't keep the ball in and the linesman raises his flag and the ref blows a whistle and says throw in for the other team and invariably there will always be one person that yells out the whole ball has to cross the line <laughs> and it's just like yeah come on like we know that everyone knows this yet someone always has to say it as if the ref or the linesman is going to then say Oh, it's the whole ball. My bad. Give it back to the other team. That's funny. You actually do hear stuff like that quite often. I'm looking forward to the list. I'm sure it'll be pretty funny. Exactly. So, listeners, send send us your good stuff. I'm going to try and brainstorm some. Keegan will try and brainstorm a couple. And we can go over that next week. Something to look forward to. Um, but that's it for this week's episode. Keegan, thanks so much for coming back and joining me. Uh, you're welcome, Wendell. All right, that concludes this week's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. As we mentioned, it's a long weekend, so no episode next week. Hope all of you have an amazing long weekend. And we'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode.